And God's people said, amen, amen. We continue a sermon series today called Simple Prayers. We've gone over the simple prayers of heal me. I was talking to someone out in the uh, narthex earlier who was in the healing service over in the auditorium, and uh, I had the privilege of praying with her, with Steve Arneson, and she said, I just want to tell you that whenever you prayed specifically for this, I'm trying to get into specifics, but whatever it was was bothering her, and she was being consumed by, she says, over the next several days, I just felt that slowly leave my body. It just slowly left. And today I am free from that. And I said, praise God, right? So that's a simple prayer, right, that did something incredible, powerfully, to God be the glory, right? So heal me, search me, speak to me. And today I get to do the whole Lord's Prayer. You know, what's that about? You know, what's happening to the short prayer, you know? But, you know, I want to tell you that the Lord's Prayer is not a simple prayer but it is a simple way to pray. It is a simple way to pray. If we'll follow the guidelines of the Lord's Prayer, we'll be much more effective in our prayer life. Would you stand if you're able for the reading of God's Word? Now, this is the teaching of Jesus and the Lord's Prayer from Matthew 6. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. The word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. Father God, I pray that in this prayer that Jesus has given to us, May you speak to us. I pray for the person listening right now who has not prayed in a long time. Or they feel their prayers have not been heard in a long time. Or the person who prays this prayer as simply a religious activity. I, I pray you would take our time together, Father God, and teach us how to pray. May the words you've given me be anointed by your Holy Spirit that we can know you better. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, the Lord's Prayer is certainly one of the most well-known prayers, but how many of you prayed one of these prayers? And maybe you still do. How about put it on the screen? Let's do it together. God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. By his hands we are fed. We thank you for our daily bread. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer growing up, raise your hand. Good job, many of you. Some of you still pray that prayer, right? Pray, there you go. Some of the kids over here are still praying that prayer. Well, how about this one? This one's a little creepier prayer, I think. Uh, 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 now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake... I pray the Lord my soul to take. How many of you prayed that prayer? Yeah, many of you? Well, that's probably that prayer that led me to become a believer. <laughs> yeah, because I wasn't sure what was going to happen when I woke up. And I wanted to make sure. But I found this from the New England Primer, 1737, first time it was printed. 
It was once the best-known prayer in England and used more than the Lord's Prayer. It goes like this, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Bless the bed that I lie on. There are four corners to my bed, four angels around my head, one to watch, one to pray, and two to bear my soul away. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Now, had I known that there were four angels in the room, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, I probably wouldn't have been quite as scared, right? But we pray these kinds of prayers. But again, the Lord's Prayer stands out as the most famous. Now, I was trying to speculate, guesstimate, that in my time here at Mount Horeb, uh, almost 30 years, in all of our services, how many times have we prayed together the Lord's Prayer? And I would just guesstimate somewhere around 4,500 times uh, here in this space on this campus that we prayed the Lord's Prayer. And we're still praying the Lord's Prayer. Now, when I first arrived here 29 years ago, my predecessor, who was trying to do something nice for me because we didn't have a church secretary, he printed up for me six weeks of bulletins. And so I had a six-week supply of bulletins uh, out of the gate. And I thought, well, that's pretty nice. And then I started looking at the bulletins, and they didn't really fit into kind of the direction that I wanted the church to go in. And so even though it was really appreciative of those bulletins, I uh, started over. And one of the very first things I did as a pastor in the bulletin was include the writ written version of the Lord's Prayer. I said, why did you do that? Because it was my prayer that every Sunday somebody would show up that had never prayed the Lord's Prayer. And we shouldn't assume that everybody knows the Lord's Prayer. And so I've always included it either in the bulletin or now we have it on the screens. Because don't we want some Sunday somebody to walk in the door that has never heard the Lord's Prayer. Same way with the Apostles' Creed, right? We shouldn't assume everyone would know the Apostles' Creed. Now, if you're a regular, been a Methodist for a while, you would probably know those things. But we want to make sure that people who don't know, know how to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. Whenever we were in Conway, pastoring there before we came to Mount Horeb, my son Aaron was in the third grade. And Aaron at that time uh, was just kind of uh, very full of himself uh, very uh, excitable, and, and, and he, he sang louder than anybody else sang in the service, and he prayed louder than anybody else prayed. And, you know, and I would just try to, you know, try to, try to dial him out a little bit. He'd be praying out over in the third row just loud, you know. Well, one Sunday morning, we're praying the Lord's Prayer. I got up to follow an errand because he was so loud, and then he led me down the wrong path, you know. He, uh, he got it mixed up, and I got it mixed up, and it, the Lord's Prayer was just a train wreck that morning. So I went to him later. I said, Aaron, I said, I really appreciate your, your, your boldness and, and, and being, uh, you know, excited about prayer. But I want to ask you, if you would, just kind of bring it down a little bit, you know. Bring it down a little bit, you know. And uh, so, I don't know, a couple days later, I was teaching a women's morning Bible study, and I shared with him that story. And they blessed me out. They, they, they got all over me for telling me, you don't ever tell your son not to pray out loud and be loud. 
Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. So I had to go back and apologize to Aaron and say, Aaron, you be as loud as you want to be praying the Lord's Prayer. Now, some of you are, were, were, were upset a few minutes ago because Bryce did not pray the Lord's Prayer. You're going like, we didn't pray the Lord's Prayer. You know, it's in the bulletin. We got to pray the Lord's Prayer. So I wanted to set it up so that we'd pray it together. Now, I want to, I want to get you to slow it down a little bit. I want you to kind of let it, let it, let it kind of, you know, resonate with you. You know, we're not doing the fast version here. Get, we're not trying to get it done. We just want to work our way through it. Can you do that with me? Can, you, can you, we kind of pace a little bit here? All right, let's do it together. Our Father. Oh, yeah, you're way ahead of me now. See there? <laughs> Off you go. Just kind of work with me here, okay? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, have you ever thought about when we pray the Lord's Prayer, now our God is awesome and all-powerful, but can you imagine God saying, listen to us, would you all slow down a little bit? Would you let me, uh, let, me, let, me let me take care, slow down a little bit because we're praying the words of Jesus. So why do we pray the Lord's Prayer? Some of you may come out of churches where, or traditions where you don't pray the Lord's Prayer in church. We had uh, over in the auditorium at 9 o'clock, I saw all these young women coming in. They're all dressed up, looking great. And I said, well, who are you guys? And it was the River Bluff cheerleading team. And they were all there for worship at uh, 9 o'clock. And, and, and I, I shared with Trevor, hey, Trevor, you got a whole team here. Because a lot of times it is teams, whether it's a baseball team or the cheerleading squad or whatever. Before they, they compete, they say, let's get together and pray the Lord's Prayer. I know whenever I coached the Little League Baseball, we would get together and always say the Lord's Prayer together. But why do we say the Lord's Prayer? Why, why, why do we say it in church every weekend, every time we pray? Well, first of all, I would say Jesus taught us to. In fact, in Luke 11, Jesus had been praying, and the disciples saw he had been praying, and they requested him, Jesus, would you teach us how to pray? Now, put yourself for a moment in the place of the disciples. You've got before you the Savior of the world. You've got before you the person who has been doing incredible miracles, feeding the 5,000, raising people from the dead. And you could ask him anything. And some of you are entrepreneurial enough, you would go, man, I, man I, could, I, could, I, could, I could use some of this stuff, you know. But what are they asking? Jesus, would you teach us how to pray? I believe they saw the source of his power was the amount of time he spent praying to his father and how he prayed to his father. And it was different than the way the religious leaders prayed. Secondly, we pray the Lord's Prayer because it's a biblical prayer. Throughout Scripture, we see God's people praying simple scriptural prayers. From the cross, Jesus prays from the Scripture, Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
is directly from the Scriptures. You know, when you pray Scripture, you can have a pretty certain confidence you're praying God's will because it's written right there in the text. Sometimes you pray, and I pray, you know, should I have prayed that? Should I have said that? Should I ask for that? Is it okay to do this? Is it okay? You pray Scripture, you can be pretty confident that you're praying in alignment with God's will. Now, some people say, and I agree with them, that the Lord's Prayer is not just a simple prayer. It's not just a simple way to pray, but it's a perfect prayer. It contains everything we need, praise, thanksgiving, confession, and even petition. And John Wesley, the founder of this Methodist movement, he wrote this about the Lord's Prayer. It's in Old English. I'm going to read it slowly because it's hard for me to read it. He says, we may observe in general concerning this divine prayer, first it contains all we can reasonably or innocently pray for. There is nothing which we have need to ask of God, nothing which, which we risk offending him, which is not included either directly or indirectly in this prayer. Secondly, it contains all we can reasonably or innocently desire, whatever it is for the glory of God, whatever is needful or profitable, but for every creature in heaven on earth. You know, when we pray the Lord's Prayer, we're praying for every creature on heaven, in heaven and on earth. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then thirdly, he says, it contains all our duty to God and to man. Whatsoever things are pure and holy, whatever God requires of the children of men, whatever is whereby we may profit our neighbor. Jesus teaches it. It's a biblical prayer, and it's in continuity with historic Christianity. The earliest Lord's prayers were used by the late first century in the church, and it was prescribed by the early church to pray it three times a day. Now, this perfect prayer contains prayers and words that cover our past, our present, and our future. In the Lord's Prayer, we pray for forgiveness for our past sins. We ask God to provide our provision for today and to lead us not into temptation for tomorrow. It covers everything in the past, what we need in the future, and preparation for the, for the present and for the future. It's divided into two petitions. The first part of the prayer begins with acknowledging God. God is God and we're not. Every prayer should begin by acknowledging that God is God and we're not. The, 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 pre, the pronouns your is repeated three times. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. The second part of the prayer has eight personal pronouns. You can get to what you need, just put God first. Begin your prayers acknowledging that God is God and you're not. God, you are in charge and I'm not. God, your will be done, not my will be done. Now, one of the core values, we have, we have eight core values at Mount Horeb. And one of our core values is to be a prayer-driven church. Let me read you what our core value says. It says, prayer is the most powerful thing we can do. The disciples said, teach us the most powerful thing we can do. And Jesus said, this is how you pray. He goes on to say, prayer is neither a formality nor a matter of going through the motions. Let's, let's repent of going through the motions 
and the formality of praying the Lord's Prayer because it's much, much more than that. There is real power in prayer to move the heart of God, to bring about things that otherwise would not happen. So let me get into just some specifics about the Lord's Prayer. When I told people that I was preaching a sermon on the Lord's Prayer, they said, hey, remember when you did that series on the Lord's Prayer? I went and found the folders. There's like eight of them. I'm doing one sermon. That's right, so I'm condensing it down. So let me go quickly here. The first is personal. The, the Lord's Prayer is personal. Our Father. The closest Aramaic word translation for Father is Daddy or Dear Father. The Lord's Prayer, Jesus teaches us, says God wants to have an intimate relationship with you, a friendship with you. It's almost as if Jesus is saying to the disciples, this is how you talk to my dad. You know, it's like, you know, when, you, when, you're, when you're with somebody and you're going to go meet the parents and, and they say, no, this is how you talk to my dad. You know, be ready now. He, he's going to be tough or, hey, my dad, he, he's going to be great. You know, which is it? Jesus said, my dad's great. My dad's wonderful. This is how you talk to my dad. You know, start out, start out saying our father. Just call him, just call him dad, okay? Um, you know, it, it's, um, it's important to know that we don't pray as slaves to a master. But we pray as children who are invited into the joyous presence of dad, the heavenly father. It's personal, but it's also corporate. I love the fact he didn't say, he didn't say pray my father in heaven. He says, pray our father in heaven because our father brings us into the company of the Trinity, God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy spirit, but also the company of the redeemed. Can you imagine the number, the sheer number of people all across the world today on this Sunday that are praying the Lord's prayer? We're part of a vast company of people that pray to our father. He's not just my father. He is our father together. There's power in that. Now, our father is in heaven. It's a place. Our father is not here on the earth. He sent his son to the earth, and, and, and Jesus promised us and gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit, but our God dwells in heaven. And there, there's a chasm between us and God because of our morality and because of our mortality and because of our sinfulness. Holy God is in heaven. And when we pray through the redemptive power of Jesus Christ, we enter into his place. Our prayers go into heaven. Our prayers go into his presence. Our prayers experience his perspective. Something that will change our prayer life more than anything else is to pray in God's perspective, not in our perspective, because our perspective is fallen. Our perspective is selfish. Our perspective misses the mark. But to pray in the presence of God, in, in the place of God, in the perspective of God, it changes things. You know, God sent his son to die for our morality and give us victory over our mortality. We can go into presence with confidence. Now, hallowed means sacred. Holy is your name. Holy is your name. I love holy is your name. Hallowed is your name. You know, the word holy and hallowed, kind of one of the first places in the Bible it, it presents itself is at a place called Mount Horeb. Mount Horeb is where the burning bush was at and where Moses hears the voice of God speaking to him out of the burning bush. 
And it says, Moses, take off your shoes because you're standing on holy ground. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, we enter into holy ground. We don't run through it. We don't rush through it. We experience the presence of God. And I believe with all my heart that the bush is still burning and God is still speaking and God is still calling us to lead people out of the captivity of sin and bondage. Dr. Timothy Tennant, who wrote a great book, uh, this is one of the classic book, uh, a book called Foundations of the Christian Faith. He's a president of Asbury Seminary. It's a resource for catechesis and disciple making. This is going to be a classic book. A hundred years from now, this will be a classic book. And, um, but he covers in here uh, the Ten Commandments. He covers the Apostles' Creed. He covers the questions that our children need to learn about the faith. And one of the things he talks about in here is also uh, the Lord's Prayer. And he says this, all our prayers and our hopes, even our darkest pain, hear this, all our prayers, our hopes, and our darkest pain must ultimately pass through the sanctifying fire of his holiness. Think about that. Everything I pray has to go through the sanctifying fire of God's holiness. Now, sometimes we pray some unholy things, some unholy requests, some selfish requests, and they are purified by the holiness of God. That's good news, isn't it? That's why Jesus said, or the writer of Hebrews says, um, have bold confidence to go into the throne of God, bringing him all your concerns. Well, let's talk about purpose. The purpose is your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God's kingdom is not a geographical kingdom, and God's kingdom is not a political kingdom. God's kingdom is about his rule and reign in our lives and our world. It's only partial. It's not complete. We never stop praying for God's kingdom to come. Now, we need to understand the tension between the world we live in and the kingdom of God. This past Tuesday, many of you went and voted, or some of you voted before last Tuesday, and you voted for a candidate, may or may not, may or may not have been elected. Uh, their position may be your position, may not be your position. You may be happy with the election. You may not be happy with the election. But the reality is that is not where we, that's not who we serve. We serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, right? And it is his kingdom that we serve in. Now, I think we should go vote. We should be good citizens. I think we need good citizens to run for public office and all that. But let's not lose perspective that this world is not our home. And as Christians, we put our trust in the kingdom of God. And there are progressives out there in the world who are changing the word kingdom and calling it kingdom. It just breaks my heart. You know? It is not a kingdom. It is a kingdom. It is God's kingdom. And we pray, thy kingdom come. I'm voting for God's kingdom, aren't you? Every single time I'm going to vote for God's kingdom to come and for God's will to be done. And I pray that our God will use political people to do his will and to honor and glorify him in all that they do. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. It's purpose. Now, the church is to represent God's kingdom in the world. And the world is full of sin. The world is full of deceit. The world is full of greed. And that should never be the case in the church. And one of the things that we pray on Friday morning, and men, if you would like to come join us, we have about 70 men that pray every Friday morning. 
And one of the things that we pray for on Friday morning is for God's kingdom to come on this place, on this weekend, that when I'm preaching, when Trevor's preaching, whoever's preaching, that God's kingdom will come. And another thing that we pray for on Friday mornings is that there will be a hedge of protection around this church because this is God's kingdom. And we don't want evil to overwhelm. We want to have a hedge of protection. Provision, give us today our daily bread. Anybody here got enough daily bread? Come on now. Anybody's covered full? Anybody got some bread in the freezer? You know, my wife gets that two-for-one thing. We got loaves of bread in the freezer because, you know, you get two-for-one, go and stick one in the freezer. You know, in the perfect prayer, we bring our praise to God before we bring our personal request to God. We give ourselves to God before we give our needs to God. And all of us could probably cut back a little bit on the daily bread. But this part of the prayer brings so much hope to so much of our world because so much of our world does not have enough bread. They do not have enough provision. They do not have enough housing. And those of us who have been blessed with more than we need, we need to be able to share with those who don't have enough. Amen? We talked about Thanksgiving up here just a few minutes ago, that there are families that won't do Thanksgiving this year because the cost of food has gone so high. Now, most of us have enough in our cupboards already that we can't get enough stuff in there because we're so full that we could pull a little bit out to make enough for more. Amen? Part of, part of being blessed is to be a blessing. And so, God, let's thank God for our daily bread. Can we do that here? Nobody in this room is hungry. Now, you maybe you skip breakfast and you may have a few grumbling. You know, you got a roast in the oven. I get all that. But for some people in our world, for many people in our world, for the majority of the people in our world, this is the most important part of the prayer because they want to eat today. They want to be warm today. They want to have a, a roof over their head today. And let's not lose track of how blessed we are to make a difference. Peace. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Trespasses, debts, sins. This reminds us we're all sinners. Somebody say amen to that. We all need this part of the prayer. There's not a single one, listen to me, that doesn't need this part of the prayer. We may not need any bread, but we need some forgiveness because we've all dropped the ball. We all fall short of the glory of God. And the Bible says we are dead in our trespasses and sin, and dead people are helpless people. You and I can't do anything to forgive ourselves. This is an acknowledgement that only God has the power to forgive Dr. Tennant in his book says Hindus travel hundreds of miles to dip in the Ganges River, but it has no power to heal the broken relationship with God. Muslims pray every day, fast a month each year, make a pilgrimage to Mecca, but none of these things have the power to take away sins. And some religious people in this country come to church a few times a year, make a donation, try to be good enough, thinking that will take away their sins. None of that takes away our sins. Our sins are taken away by the grace of God, what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. God alone takes away our sins. The Lord's Prayer is asking God to do what only he can do, and it's a daily practice. We pray it daily. We need to keep short accounts with God. You know that, right? Don't let your sins build up. You know, don't wait four or five days to ask. do it. Sometimes we got to do it hourly. Sometimes we got to do it 
moment by moment. But isn't it great to know when you say that, Lord, forgive me my sins. It's good. It's good. You know, you, you know, you've had that fight with your spouse and said something you shouldn't have said. You wish you could take it back or you didn't say something you should have said and you wish you could go back and say it. You're feeling bad and then you go and you go and you humble yourself and go, you know, I blew it. I'm sorry. Would you forgive me? And after they hit you a couple of times, no, they, uh, they, they say, yes, okay, it's, 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 that's good. We're good. We're good. Whew, what a relief that is, right? What a relief that is. So much more relief when we say to God, God, forgive me of my sins. But, folks, it's not just forgive me of my sins. Help me to forgive those who sin against me. A litmus test of whether or not we've experienced the goodness and the grace and the forgiveness of God is if we can forgive other people. And if we can't give grace to other people, we've not experienced the grace of God. We may think we have. We may say we have. We may sing about it. But friends, hear this. This is Jesus speaking. If you can't give grace, if you can't reconcile with others, then you haven't been reconciled with God. And that's a hard teaching. And it's something we all wrestle with. Now, I'm not saying you got to go be best friends with the person or you're ever going to have a relationship with the person, but you don't need to hold on to those grudges anymore. You need to forgive. Father, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us, right? And then comes protection. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. In this world, we're in a personal war against evil. Now, I want you to hear this this morning because in our Lord's Prayer, we pray, um, lead us not into temptation. Uh, what does it say? We say, um, looking at it here, but deliver us from evil. That's what we say in our Lord's Prayer version, deliver us from evil. But Jesus said, deliver us from the evil one. We live in a, in a, in a world where we want to diminish sin. Not just diminish sin, we want to dismiss sin. And by dismissing sin and diminishing sin, we say there really isn't an evil one. There really isn't such thing as a devil or a Satan. But I'm just quoting directly from Jesus. Protect us and deliver us from the evil one. Friends, make no mistake that we are in a cosmic battle. There's the kingdom of God and there's the kingdom of evil in our world. And we know we need to have the confidence that God has the power to deliver us from the evil one. Somebody say amen to that. There, there comes a time in your life, maybe today, maybe tomorrow, where you have to say, in the name of Jesus, get thee behind me, Satan. I want you to be able to pray that boldly in the name of Jesus. Don't do it on your own strength. But, but we got to be willing to confront evil and call it out and confront the evil one who is at work behind the scenes trying to, what did Jesus say? I have come to give you life and life abundant, John 10, 10. But the evil one has come to steal, kill, and destroy. And how many of you know there are people you love that their life has been gradually killed, what's been, their life has been stolen from them, their life has been destroyed because there's an evil one that is trying to steal, kill, and destroy. And we serve the one named Jesus who comes to give life and give it abundantly. We need to call that out and not walk around as, as, as chickens. And remember that what 1 John says, greater is he that is in you, the Holy Spirit, than anything that is in the world. Now, I believe there's power in the name of Jesus Christ. 
And we need to hold that and claim that in our world today. We say, lead us not into temptation, deliver us from the evil one, put it into practice. When I say against temptation, what it means for me personally is today, today in my life, don't let sin win. Don't let sin win. We're all going to sin. We're all going to fall short, but don't let it win. Let me, let me confess it. Let me ask God to forgive it. Let's move on. Don't let it win. How does sin win? It begins to dominate your life. It begins to control your life. It begins to consume your life. Don't let sin win. And then finally this morning, preeminence, big word. I had to practice it a few times. Preeminence. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen and amen. God's power. You know, when, when I say, when I pray for thine is the glory, for me, this is what it means. Lord, today, may you be more famous than me. Are we willing to pray that? Lord, I want you to be more famous than me. It's not about me. It's about you. Hey, pastor, that was a really good sermon. To God be the glory. It wasn't me. It was God. Had a great team. Helped me put it together. To God be the glory. God wants us to be humble enough to give him the glory and not take the credit. For thine is the glory, the kingdom, and the power forever and ever. Amen. Now, when you get to amen in your prayer, some of us are relieved. Wow, amen. I, I, I can go do what I want to do. Got it done. Check that list off. I got done my prayers. Amen and amen. You know what amen means in the Hebrew? It means so be it, let it be so. What it means is, amen means this, I'm trusting God with the prayer. Now, here's what I prayed, Lord. Amen, so be it. Dr. Tanner talks about this in his book. It's one of the most powerful things I've learned about the Lord's Prayer over the last couple of weeks. Is when we pray amen, it means we're willing to let God amend our prayers. When you say amen, you're willing to let God amend your prayer. You say, Lord, you know, there's this job that I want. You know, it's a great job. It's going to be an incredible job. It's going to be, I, I think it's, I think it's, or this person, this person, man, this person is the person. I know this person's the person. Lord, may you make it, make it happen. And then you say, amen. What you just said was, God, if it's not the right job, then you don't give me the job. And if it's, if it's not the right person, shut it down. Are you willing to do that? I had a couple sitting in my office on Friday and uh, uh, Tony uh, introduced me to Diane and and Tony, uh, his wife had died several years ago of cancer, and he had, you know, had done a great job taking care of his kids and was ready to meet somebody. And, and his sister lives in San Diego, and her, he and his sister's best friends would get together, her and her best friend would get together and talk about it. She lived in Dallas, uh, and they would talk about, you know, maybe meeting someone, and they would pray together they would find the right person and meet the right person, a godly man. And... Uh, and one day, Tony's sister said, well, you know, if you lived in South Carolina, you could meet my brother. To which Diane said, that ain't going to happen. I don't want to live in South Carolina. I live in Texas. My job's in Texas. I love Texas. That ain't ever going to happen. So she kept praying, God, help me meet the right person. And as I looked at her sitting in my office on Friday, I said, I guess God amended your prayer. Here you are in South Carolina, and you're getting married next March, right? Because God had a different plan. I just want to challenge all of us when we pray, when we say amen, 
We're saying, okay, your will be done. Not my will, your will be done. And so sometimes whenever we say that God didn't answer our prayers, perhaps God answered our prayer the way that he intended to answer it. So church, can we pray the Lord's Prayer together one more time? Will you pray it not as a ritual? Make it real. Not as rote, but as relational. Let's pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen.